Psalm 104, verse 1. Bless, O my soul, Jehovah, Jehovah my God, thou hast been very great, honor and majesty thou hast put on. The singer is telling his own soul, which is his own personality, to bless the Lord. And he says that the Lord wears honor and majesty, just like we would wear clothes. Two, covering himself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens as a curtain. The atmosphere, the blue sky and the clouds, is a curtain that separates us from the Lord, just like you might have a curtain in a room separating one part of the room from the other part. This is a simile. And he wears light just as its clothing, and this we know is more literal than simile. Because anybody who sees God sees pure light. He literally is wearing light as clothing. 3. Who is laying the beam of his upper chambers in the waters? Who is making thick clouds his chariot? Who is walking on wings of wind? You know how you put a beam in the ceiling? Well, he has put beams in the ceiling of the atmosphere where the waters begin. We've seen it several times said in the Bible that water is above the atmosphere, meaning that space is filled with water. So it says, who puts a beam at the top of the ceiling of the atmosphere where the separation is between our atmosphere and watery space? He also makes thick clouds his chariot. Jesus went up to heaven in thick clouds, and he will come down again in thick clouds. So he does make clouds his chariot. That's very literal. And he walks on wings of wind. The Lord ascended and descended. He also came down when the three men were speaking to Abraham, because Abraham called one of those men Lord, and the other two men the Bible called angels. So it was Jesus and two angels that came down. And there's other times in the Old Testament where the Lord came down on the wind. The wind is where the atmosphere is. 4. Making his messengers the winds, his ministers the flaming fire. Even the winds are like angels to the Lord because they do what he says. And they bring messages to us, usually messages of wrath. We'll read about the angels that hold the four winds in Revelation. And when they let those winds go, it will be the wrath of God. And fire is always God's wrath in the Bible. 5. He hath founded earth on its bases. It is not moved to the age and forever. This is a simile, but it does mean that the earth is established and will not move. It says to the age and forever, meaning the earth will be eternal. The new earth will be eternal. But it does say to the age and forever, which means this planet will last until the end of the age when he destroys it and then he makes the new earth that does last forever. So it's kind of both. 6. The abyss, as with clothing thou hast covered it, above hills do waters stand. There are hills in the ocean, and the water is above the hills in the ocean. There's also mountains and springs in the ocean. And the abyss is the ocean, that's the bottom of the ocean. The Lord has covered the ocean with water, as with clothing. 7. From thy rebuke they flee, from the voice of thy thunder haste away. The waters flee at the Lord's rebuke. When he says go, the sea parts. He parted the Red Sea once, and he parted the Jordan River twice. 8. 
They go up hills, they go down valleys, unto a place thou hast founded for them. The water goes wherever the Lord tells it to, it'll even go uphill. When he parted the Red Sea, the waters stood like walls on either side, and the land was dry that the Israelites walked on. It was not mud puddles. Every molecule of water was parted for them. When God says, do something, he means every molecule has to do it. And in that sense, they were going uphill because the water was making tall walls on both sides. And also, one part of the Red Sea and one part of the Jordan River was uphill. Whatever part of the water parted on that side was literally going uphill. 9. A border thou hast set, they pass not over, they turn not back to cover the earth. And that is talking about the border between the ocean and land. The Lord is the one who established that border. It is not random. And he also establishes when the water can go over that border in the form of a hurricane or a flood. 10. Who is sending forth fountains and valleys between hills they go on? He has created fountains both on land and in the ocean. 11. They water every beast of the field. Wild asses break their thirst. The wild donkeys and all the other animals can drink from the springs that the Lord has provided. 12. By them the fowl of the heavens doth dwell. From between the branches they give forth the voice. The birds sing all day long from between the branches of the trees that they're in. It's very beautiful. And the birds also drink from springs that the Lord has provided. 13. Watering hills from his upper chambers. From the fruit of thy works is the earth satisfied. His upper chambers is above the atmosphere, and that is where some of the water came down during the great flood. It came from springs that were on the earth, as well as underwater in the ocean, and it also came from space. Some of that water came from space. In other words, there was more water on earth after the flood than before the flood. 14. Causing grass to spring up for cattle, and herb for the service of man, to bring forth bread from the earth. Humans eat herbs, and cows eat grass. And sometimes that can overlap a little bit, but basically we eat the herbs, the tasty grasses, and they eat the regular grass. And some of those herbs are wheat, barley, and other things like that. But we can also eat mustard greens and many other types of herbs. 15. And wine, it rejoiceth the heart of man, to cause the face to shine from oil, and bread, the heart of man, it supporteth. He gave us wine and bread, and that supports our heart and causes us to rejoice. But he also gave us the spiritual wine and bread, which is the blood of Jesus Christ, and his word, which is his flesh. And this is the same flesh that the Israelites ate in the desert, called manna. He called himself the bread of life, because when we eat his flesh spiritually, what we're really doing is we're consuming his word. Every time you read the Bible, you are consuming the word of God, which is Jesus Christ, and that is his flesh that he gave us. The good shepherd feeds the sheep with his own flesh. That's a spiritual truth. In the biological world, any good shepherd will feed the sheep grass from pasture land. But the Lord, who is the perfect good shepherd, feeds us his own body. 
instead of feeding off of us, we feed off of him literally because we consume his word. And that's why Jesus told Satan, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. And we need his word more than we need physical bread to live on. That's why we can fast and consume his word rather than food at times. 16. Satisfied are the trees of Jehovah, cedars of Lebanon that he hath planted. The trees clap their hands and praise the Lord, and they are satisfied because of the provision that he gives them to grow on. 17. Where birds do make nests, the stork, the firs are her house. So the stork has a nest up in the pine trees. I don't have to go to a biology book. The Bible tells me. So instantly I know that storks can live in pine trees. 18. The high hills are for wild goats. Rocks are a refuge for conies. Conies can live in the rocks of the hills, and goats can walk on the rocks of hills. 19. He made the moon for seasons. The sun hath known his place of entrance. This isn't the first place where it says that the sun comes through a portal and runs its course in the atmosphere and then goes back out through a portal. That could be simile. A lot of people think it's literal. I believe that the Bible shows that the earth is spherical like a ball. I'm wondering if the portal is simply an invisible beginning of the course that the sun goes through and not necessarily where it disappears from the entire earth because really the sun never disappears. But it could be going through an east portal and then a west portal at some point during the day that we can't see. I don't know. I think this is in part simile, but I'm not sure how much simile it is. Basically, it's saying that the Lord has set a course for the sun to travel. 20. Thou settest darkness, and it is night. In it doth every beast of the forest creep. We have to keep in mind that in the book of Genesis, it said that the Lord created light, and he also created day before he created the sun. The sun is a major source of light, but it's not the only source of light because we had day and light before we had the sun. I think of it as a flashlight in your face, even though there might be a light behind the flashlight. But if you have a flashlight shining in your eyes, that's all you're going to see, even if there's another light further in the background. And that's how I think of the sun. It's that flashlight in our eyes. It's like optical illusion. We think it's the only source of light, but it really isn't, according to the Bible. 20. Thou settest darkness, and it is night. In it doth every beast of the forest creep. Most animals in the forest hunt at night. Even the deer eat and graze at night a lot of times, because they can do it in secrecy where people and other animals won't notice them as well or won't be able to catch them as easily. 21. The young lions are roaming for prey and to seek from God their food. And also this isn't the first time that the Bible has said that the animals expect God to give them their food. There was an earlier verse that said that the baby chicks in the nest cry to God for food. They don't cry to their parents. 22. The sun riseth, they are gathered, and in their dens they crouch. When the sun comes out, they go back to sleep in their den because they need to hide during daylight. 23. Man goeth forth to his work and to his service till evening. When man is out working in the field, that's when the animals are hiding in their dens. 
24. How many have been thy works, O Jehovah, all of them in wisdom thou hast made? Full is the earth of thy possessions. The Lord owns everything that he created. He gave it to us to have pleasure and sustenance, but he owns it even if he allows us to use it. Everything is his storehouse, and everything comes from his storehouse, which was mentioned earlier in the chapter. 25. This the sea, great and broad of sides, there are moving things, innumerable, living creatures, small and great. There are incountable creatures in the sea. Some of them are very tiny, and some of them are very big. 26. There do ships go, Leviathan, that thou hast formed, to play in it. Leviathan is the dragon in the book of Job, and dragons are animals that can be in the air, the land, and the water. A dragon can swim in the sea and then fly straight out of it into the air. It was that kind of an animal. 27. All of them unto thee do look to give their food in its season. Every single animal on the planet, including the plankton and the gnats, they all look to God for their food. 28. Thou dost give to them, they gather. Thou dost open thy hand, they are satisfied with good. Every animal eats out of the Lord's hand. It's a beautiful metaphor, but it's also very literally true. 29. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou gatherest their spirit, they expire, and unto their dust they turn back. It says when the Lord is not looking after them, then they face trouble and they die. The Lord provides until he decides that it's time for an animal to die. And then the animal returns to the dust that he created it from. 30. Thou sendest out thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the ground. That happened in Genesis. His spirit came to hover over the waters, and he created the animals in the waters, and then the animals in the sky, and the animals on the land. What's really neat is God doesn't make anything until after he's provided all of the resources for it. The Lord created the fish after he created the oceans, and he created the birds after he created the sun and the stars and the moon that they could fly by. They needed the sun, stars, and moon in order to navigate. He did everything to perfection. 31. The honor of Jehovah is to the age. Jehovah rejoiceth in his works. He will be honored forever by his works, because of his works, and because of his name. He is actually happy about what he has created, and he should be. The Lord created Lucifer, and Lucifer turned into Satan, and the Lord created billions of people who were already in hell. But what he made was good. It isn't his fault that those beings chose to turn against him. And the fact that he still allows Satan to torment and tempt us on earth is also for his glory, so that we can prove our love for the Lord and earn rewards in his eternal heaven. Everything is to his glory. 32. Who is looking to earth, and it trembleth? He cometh against hills, and they smoke. When he rested on top of Mount Sinai, the top of that mountain went up in smoke. It had fire, and it was smoking the whole time that he was there. And when he looks at earth, there's an earthquake. 33. I sing to Jehovah during my life. 
I sing praise to my God while I exist. As long as we're alive, we can keep praising the Lord, and we will. We have every reason to praise Him. 34. Sweet is my meditation on Him. I, I do rejoice in Jehovah. It's hilarious when Satan tries to attack us by making us sick or causing us to lose a paycheck or whatever malicious thing he does. We can laugh in Satan's face and keep praising the Lord because the Lord doesn't need our next paycheck to take care of us. He doesn't need a good report from the doctor to take care of us. Satan has no power. 35. Consumed our sinners from the earth, and the wicked are no more. Bless, O my soul, Jehovah. Praise ye, Jehovah. All of us are going to die, and ultimately, anyone who attacks us is going to die. And before they die, a lot of times the Lord will just have them move or have them fired from the job. We're never tested forever. It's only for a short time. Testing is never permanent. And that's also because of the goodness of God. And that concludes Psalm chapter 104.